Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast, where two friends sit down and talk about music for a little bit. My name is Scott, and I'm here with my good friend Brand. Brand, how's it going today? It's going well, Scott. It's going well. I was thinking earlier about this show as a whole. Mm-hmm. No, nope, oh. that sounds wrong. It sounds like I'm diving off on. I'm ending the show. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I. It's weird because I always feel like I have more work when I'm the one receiving the record, which it oh. shouldn't be how it is. Like, because right, I don't, no. I don't have notes to write down nope. as the person receiving the record. But I, I thought about it this morning. I was like, I really feel like I have more to do. <laughs> when I'm reviewing the record as opposed to when I'm bringing you a record, even though I sit down and write notes for the other one. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's just different kind of work. Yeah. And I think I might enjoy one more than the other. Like one's way easier for me than the other one. <laughs> just look up Wikipedia and write down those. Notes. Yeah, that's kind of it. Like I'm into doing research. When you make me put my thoughts into words, then it's right? a whole nother ballgame where I'm like, oh, I totally get that because I can get I can get these notes done for this episode in a day. Yeah. Real quick. And especially when I I have to put my words in my thoughts into words and have them not sound like, Like I don't know, 10, 10 other episodes that we've done already. Right. Like, I'm always trying to find a new way to address it and be like, no, hold on. You might have said that about this other record. So let's try to find a new way to say that. And then I got then I open a thesaurus and it's game over. Oh, man. Jeez. That is a lot of work. I just don't care. Oh, boy. I tell you, yeah, that song went on way too long. I didn't like it. (laughs) He rhymed the same word with the same word. I hated it. Yeah, then you're out. That's it. Well, this week, we'll see what your thoughts are on the Smashing Pumpkins record, Siamese Dream. Now, your experience with Smashing Pumpkins before this, a couple hits. Uh, Yeah, knew a couple hits, I think. And I know... Billy Corgan is a huge wrestling fan. He is a big wrestling fan. I know fan. he bought NWA at one point. He I don't sure know if he did. still owns it. He might have bought TNA also, Impact. He might own Impact now. That I don't know. I was I was going to half look it up if yeah, I wanted to, but then it's I was like, a, it doesn't really matter. It's it doesn't not pertain to the music. Not applicable at all. Yeah. But I knew he's a big wrestling fan. But he's, yeah. On and off, he's been a dick about the wrestling business too. So, Oh, has he? 
I didn't yeah, know about like, that. Like whenever he bought the company, it wasn't all like, this isn't how things are supposed to get run. I need to run this shit the right way and like stuff oh, like that. Yeah. Gotcha. So he's very particular as well as interested. Yeah. So gotcha. I guess we we share one thing in common, I guess. We both enjoy wrestling. Hey, there's something. That's the gateway. It's something. It's definitely it's... something. But something. I will not talk about wrestling this episode. So All just right. know that if if I was really struggling to find something to say about this record, it would be I, I would have been talking about wrestling. Gotcha. Well, you know, Scott, he uh, <laughs> is world champion when he started, and it would have been a mess. But yeah, I at least I mean, I, I was at least able to focus my thoughts into the record. And yeah, not I like that. Billy Corgan himself. There, there you go. Well, speaking on the band and the record, I'll dive into some notes here uh, so you can get a little bit more background. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins is an American alternative rock band from Chicago, Illinois. I didn't know where they were from. Did not Neither know. did I. Had no I guess. Thought I, I, you know what? I'm with you. I didn't have a guess, but I didn't think Chicago. It's a little too like dreary for California. So I didn't see like LA mm-hmm. happening, but the, the, like the band themselves sound like they could be not, not the sound, but when you think about them, it feels like they could be from California. Yeah. Florida, not angry enough. I feel like <laughs> everybody coming out of Florida is angry. Just angry all the time. Yeah. I get, I mean, Midwest, but technically Chicago could be considered the Midwest, even though it's like the city, but right. Yeah. I don't know. Like Cleveland. Imagine, oh man imagine i'm coming out of cleveland that's just way more depressing foxy shazam's right down the road in cincinnati <laughs> <laughs> see that's the difference like super depressed and miserable as cleveland cincinnati is just everybody's happy as shit yeah it wasn't cleveland where the woman was, was locked in the basement for like 11 years or something and nobody knew and then she escaped wasn't that cleveland what i have no idea yeah, it was a story a couple years ago like a woman was held captive for decade and she escaped out of like a small window wow. and nobody knew she was there. It was just a random house. Oh man. Some guy's house. Wild. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad I'm bringing uh, fun stuff. In this yeah. <laughs> Good. Cause I brought you some fun stuff for the record. So Ooh, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, formed in 1988 by frontman guitarist, Billy Corgan, bassist Darcy Retsky, guitarist, James Eha and drummer, Jimmy Chamberlain. Corgan is the group's primary composer. His musical versatility and cathartic lyrics have shaped the band's distinctive albums, which run one writer described as anguished, bruised reports from Billy Corgan's nightmare land. Okay. <laughs> We're getting into it already. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anguished. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have, in order for me to talk about any of that, I will have to talk about the record. So I'm going to hold off. We'll wait bit. till songs. Yeah. Understood. With 30 million albums sold worldwide, the Smashing Pumpkins were one of the most commercially successful and critically acclaimed bands of the 1990s, often cited as an important act in the popularization of alternative rock music. However, internal conflicts, drug use, and diminishing sales led to a breakup in 2000. They're back together now, right? But they said it's gotten back together. Yeah, I think... At least James Eha is part of the band again. Okay. Have they put out a new record in the past couple of years? Yeah, like this year. Okay. I didn't listen. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that. Like, there's a there's a time where you fell off of Magic Pumpkins. Is that a oh, tomb? Is that them? Hard. Is that where you fell off? No, I fell off way before. I fell off right after Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I think right. I I fell off, got back on for Zeitgeist, and then fell right back off again. Okay, I've had a journey with Smashing Pumpkins in my life. Sounds like not much one. Sounds like you have a just a little trip down to the corner store with Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> that might be it. That might be it. <laughs> it's like, well, if it's not easy for me, I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel like driving there. If I can walk, yeah, we'll take it. Billy Corgan goes kind of wild sometimes with his musical stylings and compositions. Uh, as they've night, been called nightmare already. Land, Scott. This is nightmare this land. Is nightmare land. In late 1992, the band relocated to Marietta, Georgia to begin work. That one that one makes a little more sense. I could see Marietta, that. Marietta, Georgia? Like, yeah. just Georgia, like, REM sounds down there. There you go. Like, yeah, I could see. I could see Georgia a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're not near Atlanta, though. I don't know where Marietta is. No, I, I just meant <laughs> sonically. Oh, sonically. There. <laughs> well, no, then there'd be a lot more hip-hop. Yeah, there'd be some, there'd be some <laughs> trap in there. Be some, exactly. Ti'd be featured. <laughs> yeah, uh, they moved down there to begin work on their second album with producer Butch Vig. I like the name. I don't know what else he's done though. He's done a ton of stuff. Okay, but he uh, he was also oh man, was he the drummer or guitarist for Garbage, the band Garbage, a band I know the name of and I know that one big hit they had, but I don't really know much about. Oh, it. okay. Uh, Butch Vig is a big, a big pro- producer name. Okay, big name. I I don't have a list of everything he's done, but he's done a lot of cool stuff. Well, does he look like Rick Rubin? I feel like with the name no. Butch Vig, you look like Rick Rubin. Not real. I mean, as far as older white guy, yeah, but uh, doesn't have messy hair and a long beard. No, he has pretty tamed hair and I think a mustache. I feel like glasses. Rick Rubin looks like his name should be Butch Vig. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually I think for a little while I got them confused because of that. Wow. But it's they're completely different guys. Yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts on Rick Rubin, and I can't a hundred percent confirm that it's not based off jealousy. And like how hot chili peppers. Like how much and how many different things he's worked with and like the respect that he has. Yeah. And I get maybe sixty percent of it. Like the other shit that he's heralded for, I don't like at all. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm not a huge fan of that he's done that we've discussed on this podcast. Yeah, but there is a lot that he has done that I'm like, oh man. But like, but then, just amazing. Like I always question what exactly he's doing. Also, like, but then you hear in those like documentaries, be it even the Beastie Boys talked about how instrumental he was in all of it, mm. and I'm just like, there's no way this dude was doing that much. There's not there's no way he was doing this much. You guys had something. You can't give Rick Rubin all the credit for causing you to be a superstar. Right. Uh Butch Vig, I forgot. He did Nevermind. Okay. He Nevermind. So did he also produce that Foo Fighters record then? That was on the the hundred greatest that we did? The hundredth episode the hundred episode hundredth episode Foo Fighters? Because remember that or was that just a different producer? I for that think for- it he did Wasting Light, yeah. That one that That's we, the one that was on there. Yeah, Wasting okay. Light, yeah. He did some cool shit. Yeah, well, cool to you or cool uh, to me? He did House of Pains, Shamrocks, and Shenanigans, okay. which is out of his wheelhouse, right? Okay. Well, uh, I mean, if you look at Rick Rubin's discography, it looks like he doesn't even have a wheelhouse because it's that's true. That's all true. over the place. Uh, he did some stuff with Sonic Youth. He did he did Dirty and Experimental Jet Set Trash and No Star uh, with Sonic Youth. He did um, a Helmet record, a Depeche Mode record, a Soul. Wait, Asylum. the Helmet record. I think they only have one record, right? It's Betty. 
No, Helmet has a couple records. Okay. They did their 94 record. Uh, he's done all the garbage records. He did Sing the Sorrow by AFI. Okay. that's a bad, There's one for me. He did Chase This Light by Jimmy World, which I don't think you've listened to yet. But it's I've only listened to Futures and Bleed American. He did New Wave by Against Me. Uh, okay. Yeah. And White Crosses by Against Me. He's yeah, he is really. I mean, he definitely has a lane, but the lane's yeah, he's, he's got a lane. Yeah, he did uh, Sonic Highways for Foo Fighters, which is I'm, I'm a big fan of that record. A lot of people aren't, but I love it. Uh, he did something for the rest of us by the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm not familiar with any of that. Oh man, here here's a here's a a bad one. <laughs> 21st century breakdown by Green Day. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, that feels weird. But he also did uh, Laura Jane Grace's Heartburns. All right. Well, welcome to the Butch Vig podcast. The Butch Vig cast. We're gonna have him on next week. Friend of the show, Butch Vig. Oh man, I'd love it. That'd be sweet. Would you, Scott? What are we talking to him about? I mean, you're going to talk about Nevermind for an hour and a half. And Siamese Dream. And that Jimmy World record. And that AFI record. And Foo Fighters records. Okay. I guess, I guess I'll guess i guess I'll sit this one out. Yeah, that's fine. We can talk about <laughs> AFI, and then I'll just take my headphones off. You guys go ahead without me. I'll be all right. <laughs> you got right it. Over here. You guys got this. <laughs> talk about Dave Grohl. The decision to record so far away from their hometown was motivated partly by the band's desire to avoid friends and distractions during the recording but largely as a desperate attempt to cut Chamberlain off from his known drug connections. Okay. <laughs> Apparently there's, there was not a band in the 90s that didn't have one member addicted to drugs. The, the drummer of Smashing Pumpkins was quite the addict, from what I understand. Everybody was. We were all having a good time back then, Scott. You know, we were coming, coming out of the grunge. Everybody was doing heroin. So I was going to say, I think it was heroin, so he wasn't having a good time. Uh, he, when he's on it, he's having a good time. <laughs> There's Maybe. no better time. Just ask them. They'll even tell you. It's no true. better time. I guess. Uh, the recording environment for Siamese Dream was quickly marred by discord within the band, as with the case with, uh, of recording Gish, their first record, uh, which was also produced by Butch Vig. Corgan and Vig decided that Corgan should play nearly all of the guitar and bass parts on the album, contributing to an air of resentment and leading the contemporary music press to portray Corgan as a tyrant. I mean, it feels weird if you have people in the band to play guitar and bass that he's like, everybody let's move down to Georgia. And then you don't do anything. Yeah. I got this covered. uh, This will be in a future episode because we're working on a draft of Ozzy Osbourne. I don't know if we said that already talked about it yet, but we're working on Ozzy Osbourne draft. And there's one record in particular where um, a certain guitarist, first of all doesn't have any writing credits in the in the, in the thing and he's not the only guitarist credited on the record the producer is credited as guitarist also oh wow so how much of that is the producer saying i'm gonna i, I want to play this different and then just play yeah. it different it's fucking weird it's real studio weird. studio has to be weird like a weird vibe especially for a band well like, like a whole smashing band. pumpkins i guess it's one thing because they're not those superstars Right. By this record from Ozzy, which by the way, we'll talk about it when we hit that episode. But when we get there, yeah. I mean, Ozzy is a god at this point already. Like, even yeah. even when Ozzy put his second record out, he was a god already. Well, I mean, he was already the voice of Black Sabbath. Yes, but once you put years. that first that first and then you do that solo, solo record that yeah. sells fucking crazy, yeah. Then you're actually a god. This is way past that. So then 
I can't imagine having the a quote unquote God in the studio and right. everybody just be like, yeah, we're just making a record. Like yeah, it would, it would feel like more, I think. Yeah. But not the Aussie. I feel like the Aussie would feel like less because he already has nine studio, nine yep. studio records. Right. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. But I, I imagine the producer or the, yeah, the producer, Butch Vig saying, yeah, yeah. Play the, play the guitar, play the bass, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or like, it's one of those situations <laughs> where they're not there and he's like, just, we need to play this bass. We need down. to get this down. Yeah. Hey, but look, look who Billy, look who Billy Corden didn't play is the drums. The drums. He's he's loaded on the horse behind the kit, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, "Oh, he's fine, he's fine." But this Just guitar part, we need to get a little different guitar part in here. Right? You you're not hitting the right notes. <laughs> let, let me handle that. We don't care about the rhythm section. Right. We need the lead guitar singing. Corgan's depression had deepened to the point where he can contemplated suicide, and he compensated by practically living in the studio. Meanwhile, Chamberlain quickly managed to find new connections and was often absent without contact for days at a time. In all, it took over four months to complete the record with a budget exceeding $250,000. Doesn't sound like a lot of money in today's albums. But in 1992, $250,000 budget. And also, I've heard some records probably that came out this year that may have cost people, I don't know, 500 bucks to do. Right. Because yeah, you can do that's it the other all thing. at home. Yep. Maybe it, maybe you paid somebody to send it away and get it mastered. Maybe. Right. But you don't even need to do that. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's so a that, wild it, time. It's a, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money for the level of record, I think. Right. But in 92, it, it was a different time. And it, and it was only recording, their second record. They and weren't... it was their second record. And they didn't have a huge hit off of Gish. Yeah, they weren't, quote-unquote, the Smashing Pumpkins yet. They yeah. were just a band. Yes, exactly. But they got Butch Vig to... They got him. To produce the records. We so. got Butch, guys. We're, we're clear. We're in the we're clear good. from here on out. The majority of that 250000 went to Butch. That Butch makes a little sense, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. There's some things that I will talk about that I think was probably his probably 100% him. his direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, despite all the problems in its recording, Siamese Dream debuted at number 10 on the Billboard 200 chart. It sold over 4 million copies in the U.S. alone, 6 million copies worldwide, cementing the Smashing Pumpkins as a significant group in alternative music. That drummer bought the biggest bag of heroin. The biggest. He's ever seen in his life <laughs> when he saw number 10. He's like, oh, <laughs> here we go. He's like, that's it. Shoot it to the moon now, baby. Right. Uh, four singles were released in support of the record Cherub Rock, Today, Disarm, and Rocket The album received widespread acclaim from critics and audiences alike With its musical influence and lyrical material standing out Compared to other releases during the alternative rock and grunge movements of its time The album has since been considered one of the finest alternative rock albums And is widely recorded regarded as one of the greatest albums of the 1990s and of all time. Rolling Stone magazine has ranked it between numbers 341 and 362 on various iterations of their 500 greatest rep, uh, records of all time list. So top 500 of all time, at least from Rolling Stone. 500 is still a lot of records. It's a lot of records. But I will gladly, I would gladly have this on there as opposed to every record that came out in the 60s because it seems like that's what the list was forever. <laughs> yeah. It was every yeah. every record that came out in the 60s was one of the Rolling Stone 500 it's the best. 
It's the best. It's like, I don't need to listen to 25 Bob Dylan records. That was the best time of music. I don't need to do it. I don't need it. You'll get one from me eventually. A Dylan record? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's one, one song. Uh, I know one song. That's all I know. Um, something blues. Johnny in the basement cooking up the medicine out on a pavement. Think about the government. I know that's, there you go. That's the only other song I know. Okay. There's probably some other ones. Dylan There's probably some other ones. He songs, had a ton but... of stuff. That's it for notes for the band and the album. But I have a, a really short list of albums that were released in July 1993. Okay. I bet you the ones I enjoyed from 93 are even shorter. Ooh, yeah, there <laughs> might not be one. Uh, oh, no, there might be one. But coming out on the 5th, we have Bjork with her debut record, Debut. I've only ever listened to like a maxi single by Bjork. I don't even I've, think I've ever listened to a full record. I know you have recently. Yeah, I listened to that one record and that's it. But, you but it. I, I did like it a lot. It was my record of the week one <laughs> week, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it, eh, for being fair, you had like three that week. So, Oh, did I? You had, oh, I, did. I think it was Bjork. It was Acacia Strain. And then there was another one floating around, <laughs> that's, I think. That's right. Yeah, I went nuts that week. Um, But I haven't listened to this one. I might be willing to give it a shot, though. York Draft. That, oof. <laughs> that might be rough. Man, that'd be a lot of electronic music. That's a lot of Bjork. I'm not against it, but I, I might be. be. I might be against it three <laughs> or four records into it. Right. Too deep, and you're like, ooh, this is we, a lot. We'd be calling an audible. And right. like, I'd be like, Scott, we got to. We got to switch. This. We're doing Metallica Draft. <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Pump the brakes. <laughs> Maybe I'm all right doing a Bjork Draft. Maybe I'll be okay. Oh, man. Maybe I'll be all right doing a Bjork draft. Right. If that's the alternative. <laughs> Coming out on the sixth, we have U2 with Zuropa. What's that? Like their fourth, fifth? I have sixth? no idea. I never got into U2. There's one record of theirs that I ever listened to and kind of enjoyed. Their first was what? Boy or War. And then their second was either Boy or War. <laughs> I, I listened to the Joshua Tree. Which was their monster one, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then I know some hits, and then I know Vertigo. Oof. I like that song. Yeah, no, I'm not a YouTube guy. I like some of the hits. I also watched that weird Bono the Edge documentary on Disney Plus and Oh, I haven't I didn't know about that. There it's them like in David Letterman goes to Ireland and they're just like playing acoustic sets at a bar. It's really oh, wow it's hard because it made them a little likable and mm-hmm. then it made them unlikable at the same time. It was weird. Gotcha. Like, like what they're doing and kind of saying makes them likable, but how they're acting makes they're them so unlikable. pompous. It's weird. Yeah. And I hate the guy at the edge. I hate the name. I hate the <laughs> beanie. I, I never, I never thought anybody would surpass what I thought was hatred for Bono and his glasses. Oh, but, the big sunglasses. But the edge in his beanie for some reason that just, gets me even worse. Yeah. Gets me even worse. Rough. Coming out on 13th, we have Tony Braxton's debut, Tony Braxton. I don't think I ever listened to it. I, I, mean, I, I know I who Tony Braxton is, obviously, but yeah. Coming out on the 20th, we have self-titled Candlebox record, Far Away. Another Buzz Ballads uh, alumnus. I I love that record sure you would it's 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 this time scott most of the records came out of this time is yeah with with even the subgenre as rock you're probably into that's yep is there (laughs) is there guitars in it uh i'm there is butch vig involved 
<laughs> if he is, it's a win automatically. <laughs> also on the 20th, we have Cypress Hill with Black Sunday. I don't I know if I've ever listened to that one. I think that's the Insane in the Membrane is it? Uh, record. I believe so. Okay. I, I still may not have ever listened to that record. I've listened to some newer Cypress Hill, I think. Or yeah. I listened to what they were doing in the thousands because they had a resurgence in the thousands. Yeah, they did. Like the early to mid-thousands. Didn't Corn kind of bring them back a bit? I will not say aughts, by the way. Uh, no, you're I will not, not say the aughts. I say that now, and then when I edit this and hear me say thousands, I'm just going to edit in that I said the, the aughts. aughts. Just yeah. because I'm sure <laughs> thousands sounds horrible. But for some reason, aughts in my head sounds worse. But yeah, I guess Corn did bring them back. Because they were on the were they were on Family the, Value Store? What that's what I think. I think it was Ice Cube the first year, and then I think Cypress Hill came in after that. Okay. Yeah, I've never been a huge Cypress Hill fan, but I know a few songs. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Coming out on the 26th, our our surprise release, The Battle Rages On by the band Deep Purple. The man. <laughs> they really been putting music out for 70 years, it seems. Yeah. Every every month they got a record coming out. They got something coming out and who nobody they, cares. Who, who do they think they are? Buckethead. Come on. <laughs> coming out on the 27th, we have George Thorogood with haircut. All right. I got nothing to input on George Thorogood. And last but not least, coming out on the 27th, the debut represent by Fat Joe the Gangsta. Wow, that feels early. Yeah, doesn't it? When was his, when did Big Pun's big record come out? Capital Punishment. Is it like ninety? It'd have to be before this, I think. Ninety. Oh, was it after this? Fat, I I figured Big Pun came out before Fat Joe. All right, Capital Punishment was ninety eight. Oh wow! Oh, that was his only studio album. Big Pun or Capital Punishment was Big Pun's only studio record in oh 98. wow in ninety eight. And then his he had a posthumous record in two thousand. Okay. Also, very good. Hmm. It's weird. He had to be rapping, though, right? I feel like I just thought Fat Joe was his hype man. He was discovered by Fat Joe. Oh, I thought Fat Joe I never was the knew flavor that either. Flave. I thought Fat Joe was discovered by Big Pun. I thought I Big thought Pun like thing. brought him under his wing. I guess not. Other way around. Is he older? Is Fat Joe older? Big Pun was born in 71. I don't know about Fat Joe. Fetcho was born in 70, so he's only one year older. Yeah. But that that feels weird. That's really weird. That's a that's a eye-opening experience we just had. I always saw Fat Joe as like the almost the apprentice to Big Pun. Yeah. Like, I thought I the same thought, thing. Wow, that's crazy. Is it just because Big Pun is so fucking good at rapping? Is I don't that know. why? Maybe. Man, that one line that what's the I, I met some it, Little Italy didn't do diddly. That is the one of the crazy. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. Dead in the middle of Little Italy. Little did we know that we riddled some middlemen who didn't do diddly. Damn. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Dead in the middle of Little Italy. Little did we know we that riddled some middlemen that didn't do diddly. That is yeah. one of the craziest lines in hip hop history. It's so fucking good. It's from the song Twins, by the way. Gotcha. God damn, it's good. But yeah. <laughs> Fat Joe. Yeah, who knew, huh? Discovered Big Pun? That's wild. Good for Fat Joe, I guess. Yeah. Man, what a discovery, though. Fat Joe discovered Big Pun. That's crazy to me. I didn't see that happening on this podcast. We could shut this down. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Imagine who had Fat Joe coming up on the Smashing Pumpkins episode. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. 
Well, after that bombshell we just dropped, let's get into the Billboard charts, shall we? We'll start with the Hot 100. Week of July 31st, 1993. Coming in at number five, we have Onyx with Slam. But not. Yeah, buddy. Let Let the boys boys be boys. boys. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a song that existed. Love that song. No? Don't know if I love it, but it definitely has existed. I'm a a big fan. Maybe it's because when it came out. And I listened was... to the Onyx record they put out this year, and it's not... oh, how'd that go? Great, oh, great. I'd look up my uh, my rating for it, but I gave enough ratings away in that hundredth episode. <laughs> yeah, you did. Coming in at number four, we have the Proclaimers with "I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles." Oh, I didn't know who sung that song. Yeah, I didn't know that was the Proclaimers. Yes, it is. It's a hell of a song, though. Yeah, I can't doubt it's, that song. It's a great it's song. giant. Yeah. Okay. Coming in at number three, we have SWV with "Weak." I don't know it. Off the I was going to say, sing me a little bit of that because I don't know nope. what it is. Can't do it because I don't know it. Coming in at number two, we have Tag Team with Whoop. There it is. Wow, this is a weird music time. Really weird time. I'm pretty sure that was performed on all that. The Nickelodeon <laughs> oh, yeah. improv show. I'm pretty <laughs> I think sure they did have them on there doing that song. Because we in, in, a, in a prior episode, we looked up all that's musical guests and it was crazy. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, we did. it was like TLC and Colio, like crazy. It was stuff. wild, yeah, crazy for a Nickelodeon show. Naughty by Nature. What do we do? Yeah. Also, my first talent show. My friend Mike and I covered this song in school. Whoop! There it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna need some video proof of that. <laughs> oh, there is none. There is none. This was '93. No videos, no pictures, no nothing. Just my memory of it happening. And, and just to be clear, yeah, you went to a Catholic school. I did. So just two, just two white guys, white kids at a Catholic school singing. Whoop! There it in, is in uniform. In uniform. And, and, yeah. And navy blue pants. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that sounds yep. great. Yellow yeah. collared button-up shirt I'm with sure, a navy blue sweater vest. I'm sure you got a standing O, Scott. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure they every, the whole audience is up on their feet. It was wild times, my friend. Well, let's Good finish for this you. list up. Good for you. Good for you and your friend, Mike. <laughs> let's finish it up with number one. Uh UB40 coming out with Can't Help Falling in Love from Sliver. I don't know if I know that song. I know the I, name UB40, but I didn't think that was the song I knew from them. I um, I agree. A couple more from the list. Coming in number 16, we have Dre Day by Dr. Dre. Okay. And then number 18, Runaway Train by Soul Asylum. That's a fucking banger right there. I love that I'll song. I'll take that song. I don't know if I would care about another Soul Asylum song, but I love that song. I, I covered that song before. Runaway I love it. Never... Hey. It's so one good. Way yeah, that song's fucking good. Yeah. It is really, really good. So let's jump into the Billboard 200. Okay. Coming in at number five, Stone Temple Pilots Core. Was there a hit on that one? Yeah. Uh, oh, shit, off the top of my head, I can't pull it. But there was, I think there was one. I think that's their debut record. Okay. And it's a banger, but not the one I'm bringing you. Okay. Coming to number four, we have Janet by Janet Jackson. Janet's still out there selling records. Good to hear. 93. Yep. Coming to number three, a wild entry. Barbara Streisand with Back to Broadway. What's her What's her nickname? Barbara Streisand's nickname. Yeah, she has a nickname. I just wanted to pull it, but I can't pull it. No idea. 
something something dealing with Broadway, I'm sure. It's something like that. Like Lady, I uh, I mean Babs, I guess people call her Babs. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I thought there was another one. Like her name was like Lady, Lady B, or I don't know. I might be conflating her with somebody else. No, I might be thinking of Bette Midler. Oh, okay. The, yeah, Bette Midler is called the Divine Miss M. That's what I was thinking Oh, of. my. Okay. Also, Bat House Betty. Didn't know that was a nickname for her. Didn't know that either. That sounds offensive. That does sound offensive. Oh, Bath House Betty. Sounds even more offensive. Oh, that that's something different. Yeah, that's a different name. Yeah. But no. Yeah, I My. guess just Babs is Barbara Streisand. Gotcha. I have a Barbara Streisand record or two, and I think I enjoy them, but I haven't revisited them in years. Gotcha. Well, coming in at number two, we have the Sleepless in Seattle soundtrack. I always get I always get that movie and the other one that came out around the same time confused. What other one? Um, like maybe you've got mail. I don't think they came out in the same time. Well, Scott, put it this way: if if a movie came out before I was eleven, <laughs> you're right. It's the same time. Before I was eleven, they all came out at the same time because I I became aware of them all at the same time. Understood. There might be another one though. There's there there's it's those romantic movies in that era that all are like conflated to me. Gotcha. There, there, there's you got mail. There's sleep in Seattle. There's another one too, and I'm not gonna f- be able to figure out what one it is offhand right now. But there's another one very similar to Sleepless in Seattle. Gotcha. I, I never watched either of those movies. Uh, they're good. Sleepless in Seattle's great. Okay, that's the Bill Murray, right? I'm sure. Goddamn. Why am I doing so much fucking googling? <laughs> because I don't know anything you're talking about. So, no, Sleepless in Seattle's the Tom Hanks one. Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan. Yes. So you've got mail, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan as well. I think. I think it is. Oh, that came out in 98, by the way. Five years after. It is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. So hey. what what is the Bill Murray one then? Groundhog's Day. <laughs> no. <laughs> am I not am I am I not thinking about Bill Murray? Did I say I, Bill Murray the first time? Who did I say the first time? You said Bill Murray. I Who's think. the guy who hosted the like the Emmys and the Grammys a bunch? Oh no, you're thinking of Billy Crystal. That's, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I knew Billy was the name. So let's look up Billy Crystal rom com, because that's definitely what I'm thinking of. When Harry met Sally. That's okay. what I'm thinking of. When Harry met Sally, which hold on, when did that come out? Let's let's confirm this. 89. Okay. So it is fair that I confuse when Harry met Sally and Sleepless in Seattle. 89 to 93. That's a close enough. That's close but enough I, that I could give you. You've got them. mail. You've got mail. That's uh that's an outlier. We can't uh that's the exception that proves the rule. I can't I can't justify <laughs> that one. I don't know why. Email wasn't a thing in ninety three. Oh, no, you've got mail because it's the same Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. That's there wrong. you go. Okay. Rock got it. Cast. We got we it. We got that. The number one record. Okay. Billboard two hundred. U two Zuropia. Zuropa, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were spinning it nonstop at the time. So no, I wasn't. <laughs> I got another one from the list before we get into our our longest records. Okay, coming coming in number eight, top ten. All right, The Chronic by Dr. Dre. Okay, love it. And then this was number ten. Like yeah. Siamese Dream went number ten, so Dre beat out Siamese Dream. Sure did. All right, and then. The longest, I have, I have a few because I thought it was interesting. Okay. So we'll start with the least amount of weeks, which is 83 weeks. 
Okay. Just because you said 83 weeks, I have to bring up wrestling. 83 weeks is the amount of time that WCW beat WWF in the TV ratings. Okay. Wow, no, I got it. no more wrestling. It was just very, very ironic that it, that you said That's it. Funny. So I had to bring it up. Well, it's also the record that came in at number 26. Okay. Still. Pearl Jam's 10. All right. Then we have at 86 weeks, coming in at number 46, Michael Jackson's Dangerous. Coming in at 101 weeks, number 65, Metallica's self-titled record, Metallica, or the mm. Black Album. Almost two years. Yeah. Coming in at number 136 with 114 weeks, Boys to Men, Cooley High Harmony. Wow, that's a weird one. Coming in at 127 weeks, number 132, Enigma with MCMXCAD. Don't know it. I don't know what that is. Neither do I. But these last two are from the same artist. Number 111 at 150 weeks. And number 164 at 169 weeks. Okay. Garth Brooks. Oh, there he is. No fences at 111 and self-titled Garth Brooks yeah. at 164. There he is. Dog, that's wild. When did when does um when did Chris Gaines first record come out? <laughs> His first and only. Hey now. We don't know. Chris Gaines may come out with some down the road. We don't know what's going on. I have on no Gaines. idea. <laughs> it had to be like 2000s, right? Like 99. I think it was. Because yeah, he, he did SNL. Yeah. Man, yeah. What a wild. But yeah, thing. Garth Brooks. Good on two The two longest records on the on the charts. That's awesome. That, that was Didn't crazy. see it coming. Didn't Did see Garth that. Brooks coming. Yeah, me neither. Also, like hearing his name within all those other names sounds right? it's crazy. So I mean, he crazy. is without a doubt one of the top five country performers of all time. I'd say so. I mean, if we're, and that's I if you're talking about popularity and sales, and sales, yeah, 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 Man, good for Garth. So we're done with the charts. Yeah, we're done with the notes. Mm-hmm. We're done with the releases. Mm-hmm. We're here with the Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, released July 27th, 1993. 13 tracks, 62 minutes, eight seconds. Thoughts on the record as a whole, or do you want to jump into the songs? Well, because you have what I've been told notes for every song <laughs> just Let's... some uh just some corgan quotes oh, great that might may make this worse yeah <laughs> uh, we'll just jump right into the record we'll just Let's jump right into the opener chair Brock, which you said was a it was a single it's single yep one of the I, four i think i may have heard this so it's a nice riff i like this riff i was hoping you would you would latch onto some riffs on this it builds up nice i like the building up of the track the vocals are a bit under the mix until they aren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when they aren't, this is where I think the Butch Vig might come into play, unless he sung like this a lot on the last record. Because it sounds very 90s-ish. It sounds like there might be a little grunge in here. But there, it's also just the alternative 90s sound. I was just going to say, alternative and grunge got close. really close. And it's hard to distinguish between the two sometimes. Yeah. Incestuous, if you will, Scott. (laughs) This is uh, that era and area of music that there's a lot of inbreeding. Yeah, there is (laughs) a lot of the vocals on this record, and you'll see in my notes, they're either good or Mm -hmm. they're not good. (laughs) (laughs) It's what like because there's some moments where like, oh, I really like this, and then it'll just 
it could even be a whole verse where I'm liking it. And then that fi- like the final little line is sung a different way. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah, ooh. gotcha. But for this song, the guitar tone helps this solo a lot mm-hmm. because I think the guitar tone sounds like it's almost, if you take the whole song as like a puddle, it sounds like the guitar tone's coming up and down, back up out of the puddle and back into the puddle. Yeah. Like it's coming out of the mix and then fading away into the mix and coming back out of the mix and fading back away into the mix. And I like that a lot. I like that. That was pretty neat. Yeah. I was a fan of that solo. It's a decent track. Solid. I have no problems. I have no problems with this track. There we go. So what's what what did Billy Corgan say about Sharon Brock? He said, um, so in 1995 interview, Corgan explained that every song on this album is about a personal relationship. Sharon Brock, Billy said, is about my relationship to the indie world and the media. The song's message is aimed squarely at the empty hearts of our detractors who question our doleful mix of cheesy cheeky sincerity and our lack of reverence for false indie gods and oh so carefully posed pedestals shame that little has changed since then all right i kind of spaced out halfway through that (laughs) so will you be all right if i don't listen to these anymore when you say them (laughs) sure i don't even have to say them if you don't want me to no by all means you wrote them down you put the time out We'll give yeah. Billy Corgan a shine, I guess. Man, but, he, man uh, I think I need to disconnect when you're saying those because he likes to say words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some songs where I wish he would say some more in the songs, but. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I get that. Let's move on to the second track Quiet. Quiet. Heavier intro here. I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling this heavier intro. When the vocals are not sounding like the 90s sound and he does, there's like an undertone, like it's not, it's not a breathy vocal. But sure. it's like right before he would hit that 90s sound. It's like an undertone. Mm-hmm. Really feels like Deftones vibes on it. Like I can, gotcha. I can see I was, Deftones taking some some shit out of here. Without I was that. talking to Chris. So the my friend that brought us the um, butthole servers. The butthole servers record. Yeah. We were talking about it before I gave you this record. And he was saying, Brand might like some Smashing Pumpkin stuff because there's a few Deftones sounds. There definitely that- are. Yeah, those vocals that you might latch on to. Those vocals are so Deftones. Like, the, I will catch a Deftones vibe a couple times on this record where I'm just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Granted, it usually ends with a... <laughs> and, then, and then I'm kind of like, okay, okay, I see where we're at. This isn't the Deftones. All right. Yeah. I like the Deftones under vocals. The 90s vocals do nothing. The drums on this track are destroying this track it mm-hmm. is great i think this track might be boring without how hard the drums are going on this track so i don't know if he had some extra horse or if he had no horse <laughs> right but whatever he did for this track put put the same exact dosage back into him he had some white pony puts put the same dosage back into him that's all we need <laughs> the solo is excellent it rips i could not understand the lyrics or what they mean even after reading the lyrics that yeah I, I have that problem with associating the lyrics to some songs by the Smashing Pumpkins just because I came to it without reading the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know them, I guess. I just like the sounds. Okay. I guess I guess you saying that, which sounds like a brand explanation. I know. Honest, you saying that, I can cross something up later on my list where I was ready to launch into an argument. Oh, about you saying how you're such a you're such a a lyric guy and how this this record, how you would justify that. But because you said you like the sounds. You're going to have to let me know at least which one 
I've read a couple times. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> Billy says, Quiet is a song about Corgan's parents. It's harsh in its condemnations, yet may be the most intimate on the album. He says, I'll admit I was always uncomfortable with this song at the number two position, seeing as there are stronger songs left in the gaggle. But it still has a nice adrenaline to it, an icy sheen that gets over because it does ask for excessive quiet while giving none at all. Why would he not put any of these words in the songs? Like he's he's using cool words. Yeah. Now, was this interview like 20 years this after was, this record this came was, out? Yeah, interview is 2011. It's in the liner notes for the re-release. Okay. So it's kind of, you're kind of on that line of then like he's trying to rewrite history maybe at a certain time. Like, hey, hey, he could, hey, be, could be. Maybe he's telling 100% the truth. Don't know. But yep. maybe it's one of those like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go tell him all this bullshit about this fucking record. <laughs> right. Let me let me put some depth into this that I didn't have when <laughs> yes. I was writing it. Yeah. So moving on to today. Yep. Which you said was a hit. Yeah. I think it was the biggest hit single. Right? I think it was. Because I have definitely heard this one. Yeah. I don't know where I heard it, but if it was that big, I'd probably the radio also. Oh, oh yeah. It but was huge. Might have, been on, might have been on Guitar Hero. Might oh, might have been. Be. On, might have been on Buzz Ballads. Very well could be. Probably heard it in a TV show at some point. You, Yeah, it's a possibility. It's been all over. Yeah. So, I mean, this song is huge, huge. Great vibe at the beginning. I love the beginning of this song. Like, I've definitely sung that to myself, not knowing it was Smashing Pumpkins, not even knowing where it came from, maybe. But like oh, singing wow. that lyric, I de- I definitely have sung that to myself. Yeah. Consistent vocals on this one. I appreciate it. There's not much 90s yeahs in here or yeah. other bullshit. It's just kind of consistent. There's kind through. of a distinct lack of yeahs on this record coming out of the 90s. When I say yeahs, I do mean yeahs, but I also mean lengthening words like oh with a sure. yeah at the end. Yeah, oh, I got you. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the yeah is not really there. It's the accentuation they put on a song. Okay. Like I'm trying to think because oh was a bad choice because you hear the yeah. But mm-hmm. if if it ends in like a a like area, if the word would be area, I'm not this is not coming off this record or anything. I don't yeah. know if area is said on this record, but like area. Like yeah, it's just I gotcha. the sound you're making after it. When I say yeah. yes, I don't mean the words yeah, although that does happen a lot. And that I happens mean, a lot, yeah. But it's also the way that yes yeah song transitioned mm-hmm. into another word still sounds like a yeah to me. I gotcha. This track is excellent. Yeah, it's an excellent track through and through. I I love this track. It's a great great track. It's a great. There's a reason it was a monster single. Oh yeah, for sure. Definite reason. So tell me, what did Billy say this was about? <laughs> While today actually describes the worst day possible, the song is still one of hope as it tells a tale of perseverance. I entered into this really horrible part of my life. At one point, I ended up sleeping on Darcy's floor. I lived in a parking garage for a while. I was completely obsessed with killing myself. It became my primary preoccupation. Out of the depths of this despair, I bottomed out and it literally came down to a simple decision, either kill myself or get used to it, work, live, and be happy. So I wrote this song. As you can see, I chose another kind of death, which is rock and roll. At this point in my life, it's a positive song in that it's about survival. How much different do you think, not just this record, Mm -hmm. maybe all of 90s music as a whole, Yeah. if we had accepted therapy a little earlier? It would, I'd tell you what, We'd be missing out on a whole lot of really good music, in yeah, my opinion. But, but 
it isn't there. There, there would be no grunge. Well, that's we're looking at positives now. Um, hey, hey, it wouldn't. It's not their depression that causes them to be great artists, though. They just happen to be great artists with depression. Yeah. So if they but were if getting, if, if they were getting therapy with their their feelings and talking about it, they wouldn't be writing about it. Yeah, but if they're still great artists and musicians, they're still going to be putting albums out. They just wouldn't be that troubled. So they would still be great records. But how different would they sound if they were getting therapy? I don't want to know. I don't want to do. know. That That's sounds... what I want. You know no. that what's like that alternate timeline where the Nazis won and everything. Like yeah. I want the alternate timeline where, where that happens, where we embrace therapy earlier and see where culture could be. That's where, men, where mental health took yes. a front seat in the eighties. Yes. Yes. Let's move on to Hummer. Yeah. Wild noises in the intro here. I mm-hmm. like the build of the song, but I don't necessarily like where it builds to. Okay. The vocals are a mix of like breathy vocals and nineties sounds, which those two are kind of Not... usually passes for me. Yeah. Both of them are kind of passes. Yeah. The lyrics are convoluted. And I can't make heads or tails out. of them. I don't know <laughs> what's going on on this thing. <laughs> The song could have ended two thirds of the way through and it would have been fine. It's pretty at times like there are pretty there's the jangliness to some of these guitars that I really like. I like that jangle. Mm-hmm. But near the end, I, I'd never normally get there to where it gets pretty and jangly because it's yeah. already you're two thirds of the way through. And I'm like, all right, we're, we're good. Right. <laughs> right. And then it continues and it gets pretty. But it's it, I, w- I wouldn't normally get there. So it doesn't really do much for me. Th- this right. track is the low point for this record so far. Gotcha. Billy says it's a beautiful song that in its totality lends a message that is hard to convey, but bigger than its original intention. Sure is hard to, to be, convey. Tell you that. To be yourself, you must live your life. To live your life, you must be free. Could have just used those words. <laughs> Moving on to Rocket. Rocket. Which you said was a single. It's another single. That one surprised me a bit. Yeah. Because I don't have anything overly negative or positive to say about this song. I just okay. think it's a very mid song. It it's it's not it doesn't hurt my ears, but it doesn't like give me anything to be excited about either. It's just a very not bad, not good song. It's a song. It's an album cut. I think me. this was the first Smashing Pumpkins song I ever heard. Okay, and it and it was they like had I a, need more of this. They had a video on MTV for video this song. might help. Video might that's help. what helped. Because it was this kid picking up all this kind of like garbage stuff and then hey, building a rocket Butch in his Vic. backyard. And then at the end with that buildup, it's the rocket taking off into space. Okay. And it, I don't know. I, yeah, that, that story would add something to it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Billy says it was the first song written for Siamese Dream. And for a, uh, for a good time, the only good new song we had, which we played on the Gish tours. Uh, it stands as a poem to the past that has just left us behind. We are going places fast and we can't get there fast enough. Don't forget to bring your fresh nails for the crosses hidden up on the dark side of the moon. Ooh, what <laughs> a windbag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, Billy. All right. I think it's Billy's not going to be on the show. We, I don't feel like editing that. I don't feel like editing that at all. So let's move on to the next track, Disarm. Let's do it. Another big single. Okay. The intro with the bells is yeah. better than the whole previous song. Wow. Okay. Like just like the intro with the bells, just that part is better than the whole previous song. Yeah, the big chimes. I've I've heard this. I'm almost positive mm-hmm. I've heard this. 
And then I hear some heavy influences by the Pumpkins in Emery from this song. Oh, okay. And that that timeline would work out with their ages. Yeah. Like all those dudes would have been because they're all about your age, right? Like they're yeah, all about, they were all so they would have been into the pumpkins. Yeah. At I the time that lot. this came out, 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot in there. I was like, plus the song is so huge. I mean, yeah. it's on the radio forever after that. Like yeah. it yeah, it's all over the place. I think this track is flawless. Mm. The bells turn this track from a great song into an incredible song. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. This track may be a 10. It may yeah. be a 10 track. This track is unreal how good That's it is. That's awesome. It's unreal how good it is. Yeah, so please, by all means, tell me what Billy said about it so I can dislike it. I kind of don't want to. Well, let's skip it for this one. <laughs> let's skip you it wanna, for this one. You want to skip it for this one? If if he's saying the same shit about this one that he has been the last ones, let's skip this one. Uh, it's not the same shit. Please lay it on me. All right. I didn't have the guts to kill my parents, so I thought I'd get back at them through song. And rather than have an angry, 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 violent song, I thought I'd write something beautiful and make them realize what tender feelings I have in my heart and make them feel really bad for treating me like shit. Okay, so you said that you like the sounds of this. You don't really care about the lyrics, whatever. Mm -hmm. So when you hear him say that, what does it do to you? Like, are you, you just roll your eyes? slightly but then i get more interested in the lyrics all over again like i had okay. to go and read through them again and i'm like oh i kind of see where you were going with this then yeah like i'm i'm constantly out of balance especially when it comes to something like this where there's nothing inherently attracting me to it yeah so it's then i i'm just listening to it as music but right. i i also i support music as art so mm -hmm. it's it's hard for me sometimes to listen to something that maybe I'm not enjoying the whole way or not enjoying as I normally would. Yeah. And then also give them that credit that it's art. Right. But like, I recognize I don't like all art. So <laughs> right. like, it's all subjective, but I, I did, I followed myself a bit about that this week where I was, where there was a moment where I decided dog, you like some Creed songs. <laughs> so like, <laughs> just let it go. Like you right, don't yeah. have to, just because I'm going over things with a magnifying glass doesn't mean I need to scrutinize them through the magnifying glass. Right, I, can, right. I can look at them and then still go by them. So I, yeah. I did hit a point this week where I was like, I got to settle down. Yeah, just get past that. Down. Yeah, I got to yeah. take a breather. For sure. Moving on to Soma. Soma. Big inhale. Mm. Slow, jangly intro. Yep. And then I have, uh-oh, breathy vocals. Yeah. I guess they needed to wind down after the last track. And we always talk about how the track after after the, a, the a, big especially one, a track that's a 10. Yeah, is a, is a, it would be a letdown anyway. So, yep. you know, maybe not as much a problem like good. Mm -hmm. Glad the song's there. It just feels like a waste with this muscle relaxer, sleepy bullshit, I guess. I don't know. So, OK, you mentioned it. I know some is a muscle relaxer. That's why I said it. Well, did you have you read Aldous Huxley's book Brave New World? Oh, many years ago. So this song is loosely based off of the drug that the people take okay. in that time to Ob like obey pull down and like make okay. life good, I guess. Okay. 
I think it's a throwaway track. I sure. think it takes three minutes and 33 seconds for it to even do anything. Mm-hmm. And by that point, I'm already asleep. <laughs> and by then, that's kind of, oh, that's kind of the point. Yeah, I, I get it. I get, I, yeah. I understand the whole concept of it. Here's track. the thing. I didn't like, okay. I literally just read Brave New World. Okay. Two weeks ago for the first time in my life. Okay. So listening to this song previously, I had the same view as you. I was like, this is the most boring fucking song I've ever heard, especially coming after Disarm. But like with, with the title Soma, like I, I got it. This this is a I didn't that I really had to fight myself about it being art because mm. it's 100% art. With that name and how boring it is for a while, Yeah, it's art. I don't like the art, but and- I got to give it credit for being art. Coming back to it after reading that book and then looking at the notes and like seeing loosely connected to the drug found in Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. The song describes numbness and a defense mechanism to deal with life stresses. I was like, oh, shit, that fucking makes sense now. Like it did like I I had a fat Joe big pun moment <laughs> <laughs> where it just it blew my mind and. I ended up liking the song a lot more. It's still not in my top three or anything like that, but like it just, I have a different appreciation for it now. Okay. Whereas before I was like, this is the most boring song. Can we move on to something else now? It's art. It's like a, I don't know, like a brutalist statue that I don't really care about, but it's art, whatever. Sure. Yeah. I I think it might be an, and I even have here, it's an album cut for true fans, maybe like real, real Real pumpkins fans, real pumpkins fans are probably into this track, right? The solo gives me something for a couple of seconds. And then here's where my second argument was about to pick up with you. Okay. Is this why you love solos? Because you don't have to hear these damn vocals when they're happening. (laughs) Is that why you've attached yourself to solos over the years? Is because, oh, yeah. We don't have to hear that bullshit vocals anymore. <laughs> Play it. Keep playing the solo. Keep it going. I do love solos. I don't know. I liked how many tracks are on here? Th- uh, 13. I I liked probably 12, 11, 12 of the solos. So, like, I didn't have a problem with most of them. I mean, I guess one of them didn't have a solo, so that wouldn't count. Yeah. All right. But either way, I said it's way too long, but I guess a short nap doesn't really help anyone. You need a long <laughs> nap. You need a nice long nap to feel refreshed. Right. Billy said, it's about the girlfriend who left me last year. I tried to put all my anger in those words, even though I'm just as much to blame for the breakup. Soma is based on the idea that a love relation is almost the same as opium. It slowly puts you to sleep. It soothes you and gives you the illusion of sureness and security. Very deceiving. So when he says the girl that left me last year, if this was the reissue, no, no, no. It, when he wrote the song, I think. Yeah, it just it's feel the the tense of it feels weird though. Like, was this an yeah. interview directly after the record came out that didn't release until the reissue? I think it might be him remembering when he wrote it. Okay. So she okay. left him in '92. He wrote the song. Okay. Okay. Moving on to Geek USA. Mm-hmm. Nice opening riff. Yeah, not a big fan of the vocals at the beginning, but when it's lower and not the '90s, yes, there are some yes in this track. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. The guitar work on this one's incredible. When it slows down and then falls into a groove, I fuck with it heavy. I like the groove on this track. Another solo I welcome. Could have ended after the solo, but the last minute's bearable, so I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything from Billy on this one, but 
I have a, a note. The studio version contains close to 30 overdubbed guitars. And okay. the solo the solo was ranked as the number 54 greatest guitar solo of all time in Guitar World magazine's reader poll. Seems high. That does seem high. Seems high. It's fine, but it seems I don't high. I don't know what year that poll was taken. It might have been 93. Okay. Uh, but I it's good. Yeah, it's it's a fine solo. Got nothing against it, but seems high. Yeah, fifty four of all time seems high. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Sh- but hold on, are they limiting each guitarist to only one solo? Because yeah. in which case, maybe, maybe that'd be the way to do it. That's how I feel about those lists. So moving on to mayonnaise. Mayonnaise intro feels like it's building to something special. Mm-hmm. We have some more subdued lyrics here, which is what I need. I don't need you accentuating the ends of your words <laughs> up into the air. I don't need that. Keep them nice and subdued on this. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Great vibe. Here is where... Oh, no. I was getting more pissed off trying to follow along with Genius and then, like, you know, Genius tells you like what a what a, what a, a lyric means. You can click on yeah. it and it'll give mm-hmm. you a little bit. It pissed me off more because every single one felt like a reach. Every single one. Oh, yeah. Like, I would click on it because, by the way, this is one. Of, I think there's only two, one or two tracks on this record that didn't have the lyrics within Amazon Music. Like, you know, most of them. Have right. Them yeah. In. This one didn't for some reason. OK, that's weird. So I went to Genius. And also, I usually don't go to Genius because I, I just like reading the lyrics and figuring it out myself. Yeah. But I was like, I can't figure out any of this shit. So I might as well, <laughs> might as well try it out. And right. then I would, I would click on a lyric and it would be two paragraphs of Something that doesn't even seem remotely connected with what the lyric is. I don't trust genius for those things sometimes. And it would just piss me. But now that I'm, now that you're reading me what Billy said, it sounded like a Maybe. lot of what was said there. So Right. It might be. And it was just, it was pissing me off more. And this is where I was going to really argue with you about being a vocal guy. <laughs> okay. I can ignore them though. So it's not a problem. Like I can ignore the vocals. I, once I realized, dog, you like some Creed songs. I realized <laughs> yeah. I can get over some bad vocals here and there. Right. Uh, this song's pretty great, though. It's a great song. Uh, Billy said it was the last song I wrote lyrics for on the album. And it got to the point where it was like, okay, I've got to write these lyrics. I've got to sing this song. And when I wrote it, I felt like I just threw together a bunch of weird one-liners, basically. I didn't feel like it had any synchronicity to me. I was just looking for good lines to sing. And now when I sing the song, I'm just shocked how closely reflective it is of what I was going through. It's almost like this weird personal anthem to my experience, but I didn't feel that at the time. So wildly, like just a jumble of stuff that kind of like free form writing. Okay. Like you just write stuff and then it just kind of subconsciously connects. I'd respect more if he said that was every song because yeah. it's kind of what I got out of most of them. It just felt like a bunch of bullshit he was throwing together. <laughs> Moving on to Space Boy. Space Boy. This sounds like the intro to every acoustic track on every mid 2000s scene record at the time you know how they came from this is where it was birthed 100 percent. like you know what i'm talking about too every scene it could be the craziest most off the wall scene record you've ever heard in your life and the second to last track is going to be an acoustic ballad that is very strange but we all love them don't know don't know why and that's what this sounds like on paper some of these vocals should bother me but they do not that's good. So I said, maybe it's because with the acoustic sound, mm-hmm. I can take the vocals, the vocals yeah. I don't like. I can take those. I can take the music that back up those vocals without the vocals. Sure. It's when they're together. 
Oh, it is the gotcha. problem. I don't like the the quote unquote '90s vocal with the quote unquote '90s, 90s rock sound. sound. Yeah, like gotcha. It. But when they're separate, I can handle them. I think that's what I figured out. <laughs> I think that's what I figured out. Not for space reasons here, but I hear a lot of Bowie. Okay, I hear a lot of Bowie in this, and not just because it's a space song, because that was my first thought. I was like, "Am I just hearing this because it's space? Is that what's going on here?" <laughs> right. But I heard some like some Bowie vocals, some Bowie influenced vocals on here. And sure. I could see that happening. I could see Billy Corgan being so full of himself that he thinks he's Bowie at a certain point. I could see him being super influenced by Bowie. Yeah. But I mean, it's Corgan. So next level, he thinks he's in his skin. Right. <laughs> right. And this is a stellar track. See what I did there? See what I did oh, there? Stellar. stellar. Ah, see? No. It's a really good song, though. I like the song a lot. It's a really good song. Billy Corgan wrote this song with his little brother Jesse as his inspiration. Jesse, Jesse was... should write more music. No, no, no. Jesse was born with mild cerebral palsy, Tourette's syndrome, heart problems, and a chromosomal disorder. Is he still alive today? I think so. Get him get get that pen back in his hand. No, with him in mind as his inspiration. I don't think he wrote it. He said. My little brother was born, quote unquote, not right. Oh, yeah. The doctor's advice was that he be put in a state home to be raised without love or family. Quote, he will, the doctor saying he will be a burden upon you. A miracle we shall keep. He is an astronaut, a wandering soul, is what Billy said about him. All right. Well, I'm glad he's still doing all right. Yeah. Moving on to Silverfuck. Oh, yep. Is this is this about Silverchair? Is this a diss track <laughs> about Silverchair? Uh, no, I don't think Silverchair was on the scene yet. All right. What an intro. I don't like the tribal drum verse. Okay. But what happens directly after it is good. What they're doing with the negative space and the sounds in the background on the second verse are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Man, this thing could be tightened up. Yeah, buddy. This would be a perennial skip for me every yeah. time. Yeah. Every time. This track is so long, I went from liking it to not liking it to being interested to writing it off. (laughs) I went through four different emotions on this track. I started out, I was like, oh, yeah, this is decent. And then, oh, I don't don't like that. And then, oh, this is interesting to, yeah, I think we're all right. Right. I I don't think I need this (laughs) again. Yeah. And then with the actual ending of this track, the way this track ends, it should have ended the record. Like the way it winds down the way it does. Uh, yeah. It sounds like it should have ended the record and it would have made skipping it easier. Yeah. <laughs> but it also would have made accepting it easier because it's a close. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. What did uh, what did old uh, William say about this? <laughs> An endless jam that we beat Oof. into submission. Oof. Using the club crowds as test dummies for what needs to be an ever infinite magnum opus. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> buddy. Sorry, Bill. Not <laughs> not for me on this one. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. The the only way I accept this song is if it was a closer. It sh- it should have been the closer. Yeah. It should have been. This is this is a track we could throw away on this one. Moving on to sweet sweet. Sweet sweet. Very quick. Kind of just felt like a palate cleanser from the last track. Mm-hmm. No real opinion on it. He said it's a hobo that hops the tracks and jumps on the train. He wants to go wherever the ride will take him. There is joy in a refusal to change, even when you know that the journey is fixed. I am going to have a headache from how hard <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes. It hurts. I know. It hurts. I know. My eyes are so far in my head that it hurts. Yep. So let's move on to the actual closer, Luna. Let's do it. Luna. 
I don't really have much to say about this one either. I think Silver Fuck fucked me up. Like, I yeah. really do. Yep. I agree. You put both these tracks above Silver Fuck, fine. Whatever. I, I might have sure. different opinions on them, but Silver Fuck really ruined the re- the end of this record for me. Yeah. Yep. It's a fine song, but it's also a bit boring, and it's a weird closer. There's, it doesn't feel closing yeah. at all. It really should have flipped with Silver Fuck. I mean, you could even take all three of these songs off and what well, I mean, take these last two off with the, the closer being Silver Fuck and mm-hmm. OK. But yeah, I don't want to discount these two songs, but I do think Silver Fuck ruined these two songs for me. Yeah, it's such a big shadow over them. Right. I agree. Billy said, I'm in love with someone that doesn't love me. My songs are better than hers. This is my way to prove a point not worth making. And it has been rumored. I'm not sure. I didn't dive into it, but it was about Courtney Love. Oh, I like the song now. Yeah, <laughs> not I, like, I like Cordy though. And yeah. he said she writes better songs than he does? No, no, no. He writes better songs than she does. And he was writing this to prove it. Has he heard Celebrity Skin? Uh, you mean the entire record written by Kurt Cobain? Just saying. Mm. 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 All right. Top three. <laughs> top three. Let's do it. My number three will be Space Boy. I really okay. like Space Boy. Yep. How excited are you? I didn't say I don't have a top three, by the way. I'm really excited that you actually have a legit top three. My number two is Today. It's an incredible song. Today is excellent. And then number one has to be Disarm because I think Uh, it's a 10. Yeah. I have a top four. Okay. My number four is Today. Mm -hmm. Number three is Rocket. Okay. Number two is Disarm. And number one is Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, big mayonnaise I, guy. I love that song so much. Okay, I really do. All right, yeah, I think it's a great song, but it doesn't. Yeah. If I had a four, mayonnaise would probably be my four. I like it. On that note, you having a legit top three. Brand Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, Throne Own, Phone or Grown. So you heard that there were some things I disliked here. I did, which didn't surprise me. At the start of this Smashing Pumpkins week. Yeah, I was open to it, and I'm. I, I never even have thrown own phone or grown in my head when I start a record. Sure, I was open to it. Yeah. Probably about two, three days into listening to it, it was probably like, yeah, it's it's probably not the one. Mm, There's yeah. a couple songs on here I like. You know, those might be phones, but yeah. I'm not sure. Continue to listen. Eventually, hit that point where, and I, I don't know if this, if like comparing it to Creed helps, but. <laughs> Yeah, that, I hit that that like moment, that tent post in my listening, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's do it. This record's much better when I'm not focusing on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see myself spinning this in the background, and it'd be one of those days where I just have, I'm doing something while spinning. I'm not actually Playing paying video attention. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I can see this being an own. This is, oh, own. that's awesome. I, I like the record. There's more on it that I liked than I disliked. That's what I was hoping for. But the things I dislike, I really. It's rough. Yeah. Like that, that side B is going to be tough. I am going to be, I'm going to have a chisel out and I'm going to get rid (laughs) of all of Soma. I don't care how many needles I have to break on my record player while I was trying to get over that. I will (laughs) deal with it. I don't need that. But again, if I'm not paying attention and it's playing, it's just going to sound like nothing. It's just going to be sweet background music. It's going to sound like nothing's going on back there. I was there. saying sweet, soothing sounds. I'm but... going to think my turntable broke. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck's going on over there? It doesn't make that sound normally. But yeah, it's an own. That's awesome. I knew you'd be surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. I am. The... It kind of makes me want to bring you the double album. It's 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 still definitely like 
we're working on it. We're working on it not being a blind spot for me. Yeah. And it it does bum me out a bit when the more we try to investigate, the more I find I don't like. Because the 90s, especially the 90s alt-rock scene, has a very definitive sound. Yeah. A sound that I mostly have negative feelings about. Where I mostly have <laughs> super positive feelings about. I know. So, like, <laughs> trying, to, trying to navigate it and finding not just what I like, but the reason why I don't like things. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just have to overlook the, the the bands that are doing their own thing, but with the peppering of the 90s stuff. Sure. I need to be able to overlook that peppering. I need yeah. to just blow the pepper off the plate a little bit. Give me, <laughs> give me fucking bland eggs. And I'll take that over the peppering <laughs> 90s bullshit. But it's an own. That's awesome. That makes me feel really good. Maybe wait I'm a glad. while if you're going to bring you that double record. I, I'm going to. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait a while. Because we'll, that would be too much Smashing Pumpkins. We'll do double record month where I bring you a double record. We You bring me one and we take a week for each record. Most of my quote unquote double records aren't double records. They're just very long hip hop records. We'll just break it up. We'll hit the middle point. Break it up. There's probably there's probably some double records out there that I got into, but like rappers and they don't call them double records. They're just no a record. They're just records that are two hours long. Oh uh, yeah, I think I only have one that's two hours. <laughs> Ooh, that's the other fuck. I just remembered the other one I wanted to give you, and now I don't know uh, what I want to give you. Oh man! But there was a a two hour and fourteen minute extended version of this record that Whoa. was originally only an hour and twenty minutes long or something, which oh, it's still a <laughs> they long record. Doubled it, like they doubled hour it. twenty, still long. Yeah, but. Yeah, like 220-230, it's a long record. That's a That's long wild. Record. All right, so this was the only thing you were listening to, though, Scott. No, but... Record of the week. I told you when this came out, it was going to be a grower for me this year because when it first hit, I wasn't feeling it. Okay. But after taking some time, Post Malone's record, Austin, <laughs> is really hitting for me. I really enjoy it. I know I, I told you I felt like he got a acoustic guitar for christmas yes. and and he decided to write all his music on it now uh it still feels like that but okay. i'm down i really really enjoyed it he mixes up flavors with songs and yeah i'm 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 a post fan you're allowed to be i don't know why you're saying it like i'm gonna fight you no it's because i never once in my life thought i would be into something like a post malone okay and then to jump in and just be pretty much a big fan of his last three records, I'm I'm just surprised. And especially with how different those three records sound. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a lot probably has to do with him being just kind of a cool dude from what I understand, okay. like in real life. Yeah. He, I mean, what, he bought that Magic the Gathering card for 2.6 million or something like that. Which is wild. <laughs> but uh, he's, uh, he's a dad now? Yeah. He has a kid? Uh, which is also endearing to me. So yeah, I don't know. He's he seems a cool dude, and I'm I'm for whatever music he wants to put out. I'm here for it. All right. He's my version of your Kesha. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. My record of the week. You went with one that came out this year, so I might as well go with one that came sure. out this year. This came out back beginning of July. Okay. It is the album Smoke by the band Snuffed On Sight. Oh. And. Yeah. When you hear the band name snuffed on sight, uh, you got an idea. You kind of know exactly what's happening. It's kind of a, I mean, you do what you know. You know it's heavy. 
Like, mm. but it you wouldn't hear that it's a mixture of like hardcore, deathcore, and like brutal slam death metal almost. Oh, okay. But it works very well, and I. All right. And it's it's a little short. Like it's not a full album. It might it might be considered an EP because it's oh. not it's not super long. Let me see if I can get it. Well, it's eight tracks. Maybe it's longer than I thought it was. Uh, well, no, because most of them are just over a minute. Most are under two minutes. Mm. So yeah, it's probably like less than thirty minutes. So it's a quick one. But okay. yeah, smoke by Snuffed on Sight. Real big fan of it. It's fucking great. It rips heavy. Rips. Okay really heavy so all that's left scott for this thing yeah is for me to tell you what we're listening to next week what's coming up what's coming down the pike for me i'm just gonna get weird with it and i oh. have no idea how you're gonna react to this it could go one of three ways i think one of three ways one that's, of three ways that's wild because usually there's only two yeah i know and the third one we may get into so i don't want to mention it yeah but i'm going to give you it's it's a fairly recent record, Scott. Oh, okay. Less than five years ago, this came Interesting. out. Interesting. All right. It, it is going to be the album Dirty Computer. Dirty Computer. By Janelle Monet. Oh, okay. Uh, R&B singer? Uh, well. Am I wrong? Actress. <laughs> okay. Actress Janelle Ouch. Monet, but also singer, songwriter, rapper, actress. So, okay. Yes. You you probably if if you if R&B is the first thing that came to your mind, you probably heard her in something or just know that maybe. I think yeah. somebody I like maybe I listened to a podcast and they might have mentioned her or something. Okay. Uh, because I don't recall ever hearing anything from her. Okay. But okay. So dirty computer, Janelle Monet. It could go one of three ways. We'll see when one we get there. One of three ways. We'll we see, what see that is. when we get there. Fuck it. Let's just dive in. We you you've been so. I've been improving on how I'm listening to 90s it's music. It's true. You've been improving on how you're listening, period. Like, you've altered the <laughs> way you listen. That's also true. And now let's throw in another female vocalist in here and hey. see, see what we do. Because you have a history that wasn't great, but it's yeah. been getting better. Like, like I mean, Kesha. Ke- the, Kesha was the aforementioned. Yeah, Kesha. I mean, you don't like dollar sign Kesha, but that's because you don't like that kind of pop music. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's just not me. But broken Kesha. Yeah, feels weird. You like broken women, Scott. Let's, <laughs> let's move back to this therapy thing now. Let's <laughs> let's head back to that. But no, Janelle Monet, Dirty Computer. Okay, we'll see what happens. Hey, you I'm know. looking forward to it. It's something I'm ex- different. I'm excited to do notes on it because I've never fully like gotten into research the her. Yeah. So follow us on Twitter at AOL Pod. Follow us on Instagram at AOL Pod. Join the Facebook group. Like will be the show notes. Send us an email at areyoulistening.pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Always. Scott, thank you yeah. for the episode. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you for the friendship. Thank you, brother. Go listen to something new. Listen yeah. to something you love. Homework. Join us by listening uh, to Janelle Monet. Give that a shot. Are you listening? Are you listening? Is there is there guitars in it? Uh, I'm there. Well, cool to you or cool to me? There's a lot of inbreeding. I am going to have a headache from how hard I'm rolling my eyes. It hurts. I feel like Rick Rubin looks like his name should be Butch Vig. <laughs>